This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with our expectations series uh, today, and today we're going to talk about uh, David Ajabo and Patrick McCary, two players uh, uh, who are not linked directly in terms of their play. That's, of course, what we're looking for in this series, to talk about players who uh, are at different position groups but allow different people to come in as guests and, and talk about their thoughts about the uh, how the position group plays out and how these individual players 
fit into the position group. So uh, Kyle Barber is here to join me again. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Excited to talk about these two players. Very unique, uh, different, distinct players. And that's intentional on these episodes, of course. But also these two particular players, I'm excited to kind of dive into a little bit. Um, They're just two interesting players that have so different stories with this franchise and one of them still being of course still made uh and mccary is as uh, uh come in here and been the the hard-working do-it-all man for a few years now and he's been rewarded with the contract and you know i i love patrick mccary i love talking about patrick mccary and uh i'm, I'm excited for this episode all right. Well, we'll get to him uh, second. We're going to first talk about David Ajabo, who comes in with a lot of expectations for 2022, beginning with uh, the fact that he's the 45th overall pick. Uh, would have gone much higher than that had he not injured his Achilles during a pro day workout. A little nothing of a drill. You know, it shows how how you know how much he had riding on them. Obviously, it cost him quite a bit of money. To, to get injured at, at, at that point. Uh, nothing we want to dwell on too much, but that Achilles uh, is why the Ravens were able to get him. You know, in, in the, on the plus side, he probably would have been gone before they even picked at number 14 if he had uh, not uh, hurt himself. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, there was some speculation, you know, some mock drafts, and you, you could probably find a mock draft that the Ravens pick just about any player, you yeah. know, throughout the course of mock draft season. Everybody starts picking everybody to every team. But Ajabo was definitely linked with the Ravens, and because of them bringing in Mike McDonald as their defensive coordinator, it only further uh, impressed, you know, performed that idea of Ojabo returning with them, especially with the Ravens need a pass rusher. But uh, yeah, he uh, ends up landing with them at number 45 overall. The Ravens were excited about that. Uh, I believe uh, John Harbaugh said that uh, Mike McDonald gave him a fist bump when he walked over and said, well, what do you think? And he gave him a little fist bump that they knew that Ojabo was coming to Baltimore. And uh, that's a player that I think I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that there are high expectations for him in 2022. I think there are greater expectations for 2023, but there's excitement and a lot and an overwhelmingly a large amount of hope when it comes to 2022. <laughs> Fair enough. That's what I mean. Well, that's what I've seen. That's 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 exactly what I hope. And obviously, in terms of of losing the 22 season, which I think is going to end up effectively happening whether he loses it in actuality because he he just can never really take the field or he loses it from a developmental standpoint where he never gets to the point that we would have hoped that he would be I think 2022 is probably a lost season for David Ajabo if if it's anything but that it definitely ends up on the uh great or greater uh level of of outcomes in terms of expectation for him the first job for Ajabo to in my way is just to heal that Achilles efficiently and and it, to not have a setback in this injury very important uh you know it's something that that obviously uh it, it does tend to heal players tend to come back from achilles injuries i am a little concerned in his case that explosiveness and his get off is so much of his game that if his achilles isn't back all the way he, he runs a risk of having a setback if he tries to get back too early yeah i can definitely agree with that uh so much of his skill is being just an overwhelmingly explosive player that's what you see when you watch his tape he is flying mm-hmm. around and his his jump from the snap is incredibly important to his game 
And that's something he was so significantly talented at. Uh, but that's just the importance of, of this. And that's why I see this season. I don't want to call it a lost season because that sounds a little negative. I think that it's just this is a season of recuperation for him. This is a season of recovery. And I don't want to put expectations on a 2022 season for Ojabo just for the reason that this doesn't feel like uh, he's a necessity. And you want you just want so many more good years out of him down the road than to hurry him for this year. And I'm sure that the Ravens are considering him that way because of, especially with all the injuries set that they've had to deal with over the past few seasons. Right. And being a second round draft pick, they don't have a fifth year option. So they really need to get something out of him in, in years two, three, and four uh, for him to justify that 45th overall pack draft pick. Uh, Paul Kruger, uh, who didn't get on the field much as a rookie, did make a big interception against the Steelers that won him a football game, but really didn't get on the field much as a rookie, I think would be a good model. Uh, also happens to be a situational pass rusher who evolved to a more significant role in the Ravens' Super Bowl year. Um, but Ajabo, a greater physical talent, a, a, a more gifted <laughs> athlete than Kruger, certainly in terms of, of, of who he actually is. I do have one expectation for 2022, and I don't think this is an unreasonable one to ask. I, I want Ajabo to do more than rehab in 2022. I want him to learn the positional skills necessary to excel as a pass rusher in 2023, even if he doesn't get on the field. I want him to learn some of the things he can do well in terms of hand, uh, you know, muscle memory in his hands, for example. Some of the things we saw Justin Houston working with, with the young outside linebackers last year, to develop that toolkit as a pass rusher, which He's only going to be able to go so far without actually getting on a field and and you know determining how to how to really make an impactful rip move, determine that point of first contact. There's going to be limits to what he can do on the field, but hopefully he can he can learn things uh, that are there and also learning the Ravens playbook in terms of what's needed of him. You know, basically he's going to have one draw, job when he first gets on the field, which is go get the quarterback, but. That's not exclusively it. It's not quite that simple in terms of right. what he has to understand about what's going on behind it. Yeah, I can. I, I think that's a fair ask to have for Ojabo. Uh, he in college, I think, was just a, a phenom of an athlete, and that is really what garnered most of his success. I won't say that there isn't mm. any skill involved because that's ridiculous, but um, he has he has a, a, a surplus of talent. And there's there's skill that you can carve into that, which which can supersede talent. And I think that's what he has. And he also has the perfect coach for that, which is the guy that got the most out of him in Michigan. He turned sure. him into a, an incredible athlete, an incredible football player as well, which is important. So him becoming more of a a full linebacker. I think that was something that Odafe always said is that he was this pass rusher and he's like, no, I don't want to be a pass rusher. I'm a linebacker. I'm an outside linebacker. And there's more to it than just getting after the passer. And I think Ojabo should be able to develop further into just being more than the edge rusher, pass rusher guy. Yeah. Odafe Owe is a, is a great um, model in terms of learning, but he can't, I mean, if he were able to do what Adafe Owe was able to do, that would be just amazing because Owe learned to rush the passer in different ways. He, mm -hmm. he was a uh, unbelievably impactful as a stunt guy, including a guy who can go two gaps very easily just because of the speed he possesses. He, he learned a lot of things about first contact as a rookie that are good. I just, I want the more basic stuff, learning, learning how to use first contact, learning how to have a pass rush plan instead of just 
uh, ability and speed that's too quick for the opposing college tackle. I think he's going to need to do more against these more technical NFL tackles. The good news is for Ajabo, he's still going to be a better athlete than anybody he lines up against at tackle. <laughs> yeah, and, and that went for OA too. And that's honestly that's true for a lot of tap pass rushers. But you got to you got to do something with that. You got to be able to to uh, dictate your will upon that opponent. He's a long guy, so he's got the ability to make that first contact. Uh, you know, Patrick McCary or opposite him, he he, he should be able to use that advantage and length advantage, for example, to be able to, to, to create opportunities. So, uh, you know, have a pass rush plan, uh, go from move one to move two, because that left tackle or that right tackle, probably the left tackle for most of his career, is going to be overreacting to his first move, whatever it is, speed, a punch to the outside. And that's going to allow for all sorts of spins and counters and Euro steps and the other things that'll make him a truly great pass rusher in this league. Yeah. And I believe he has some of those skills. It's most certainly raw and he needs to refine them uh, to a, a, a fair degree to improve himself as a pass rusher and improve himself as a linebacker. But it's about honing those skills. And I think he has the ability to, and after the rehab, there should be enough time for him to start working on those as he prepares mm-hmm. for 2023. If he is not fully quote unquote rehabbed in time for the NFL season, he certainly has the ability and the time to do so for the 2023 season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's the good plan. In fact, one of the first things I'd be trying to figure out is who can he work with as a position-specific coach? And it has to be outside the Ravens because they're not allowed to work with him during the offseason. Mm-hmm. But who can he hire personally as a position-specific pass rush coach to figure out you know, how he can grow his game between 22 and 23? And that's whether he gets on the field or not this year. If he gets on the field, fantastic. If he, if he, if he learns from some of the Ravens in terms of his, of his get-off, great. Otherwise – Figure out who's who's that guy who can help you. Lamar Jackson is the absolute prototype in terms of how much you can be helped by position-specific coaching during the offseason. All NFL players should be looking at that and saying, I need to do what he's doing mm-hmm. and, and really figuring out, you know, I, I if, if I'm going to be valuable, if I'm going to maximize the talent I have, I've, I've got to do what Lamar Jackson is and devote myself to this game pretty much all year long. Yeah, I think uh, I can't quite. It was Ronnie Stanley that talked about, you know, he enjoyed his full off season one year. And then uh, Olin Krutz, a uh, former Chicago Bear, I believe a Hall of Famer, talked to him and said, there's no full off seasons <laughs> anymore. There's there's an off season where you're still working, but there's no off season where you just kind of hang out and relax. And that's what Ronnie Stanley mentioned when he upped his game and then became an all pro player is because it's a year round habitual thing that you must cater to to work on your craft and it mm-hmm. it improves these players that go from good to great that go from pro bowl to all pro and over the course of your career can turn you into a potential hall of fame player if you have enough talent and you have enough skill and you have the dedication necessary and uh and, and that, i don't want to put that on ojabo like oh he could be a hall of fame player if he just dedicates himself that's not what i'm trying to say here i'm saying that this can improve your game no matter if you're the 53rd man on the roster or the first guy on there and ojabo right. has so much potential and it's about like i've always said turning that into production and uh the the ravens have an opportunity with this player especially when they drafted him so high that they need to get that potential out of him a little more quickly because like you said there's no fifth round option for him so they need to see it in two three and four of his years of his contract 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about a Jabo in terms of a good and a great and an off the charts 2022 here. I, I'll go ahead and start this and just lay in the good. Mm-hmm. I think if he good for me is becoming an effective pass rusher no later than the start of 2023. Yep. That's, that's, I think the most reasonable take. I don't have any qualms with that one. Uh, it, it, it doesn't even mention whether or not he's healthy for the 2022 season. And that's my agreement there. That's there's no benchmark on when he should be playing. I think that's unfair to say if he were like, Oh, he needs to be playing by this. Or if he doesn't, it's, it's bad. You know, that's, that's throw that out. And I like that you did that. Ken, uh, that has no, uh, value on the 2022 season other than for him to prepare for the next year. And that's, what's more important, especially yeah. with the Jabo. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. In fact, when you, there's certain things that are coach speak, but there's GM speak as well coming after the draft. And when uh Costa is talking about his own Achilles and the fact that Suggs got back on the field in X amount of time and other people have gotten back in the same year and, you know, he could be playing in October, this kind of thing. He's doing something there. He's, he's trying to set a bar for the player that they aggressively approach their rehab and they, and they take all the steps that are necessary to do it. And, and you, they have the ability to say, Hey, David, you know, you really got to do all these things. You got to all get all your exercises in per day or you're going to fall behind in terms of your rehab. But their own expectations are very reasonable in terms of that. But, but you know, beyond that, I think DaCosta probably already considers 2022 a lost season. Anything they get in 2022 would be absolute gravy uh, for, from a Jabo. And, and uh, more than anything, I hope he doesn't lose the year developmentally. That, that he, he's able to do some positive things uh, to at least prepare for 23 during the 22 season. Yeah, that would be a bad year if he were to miss out on the developmental stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. If that's if that's not a part of it, then it's not even a good year. And uh, that's kind of what you were citing in your in your first benchmark there. Yeah, I, I've got a great level here uh, that he impacts the second half of 2022, perhaps even coming in uh, for for a for a run in the playoffs with some pass rush ability purely as a uh, situational pass rusher. I think that's what he'll be initially in, in his NFL time. I don't think he's going to be an early down uh, defender. He could become that at some point in his career, but I don't have that on any of my levels in terms of, of what I expect him to be. Yeah, that, that would be my great level is that he he shows up for the playoff run, uh, maybe a couple regular season games, and he he's on a he's on a, a tighter pitch count than you could ever expect out of mm-hmm. of players. Uh, but they, I think they are so. I think the Ravens are going to be incredibly cautious when it comes to injuries, especially after last season. And they they don't want to put any guys at risk until they feel they are truly at a hundred percent. And uh, with the job of that is no exception, but. Uh, if they are confident in him coming back and him being a situational, th- you know, every single time you see a third and eight or longer, Ajabo is coming onto the field against a right tackle or a left tackle to just create some pressure. I think that would be a great year uh, yeah. as the benchmark for me. We've got an interesting milestone that will occur very early on this season is the Ravens, when they cut to 53, whether or not they include a Jabo in that group. So if a Jabo's put on IR with the initial cut to 53, that's season ending IR and he cannot mm-hmm. return. Now the Ravens do, and they've picked up some veterans in recent days who are good uh, candidates to be handshake deal guys. Uh, if, <laughs> if you are a first four years player and you're cut, you have to go through waivers. Okay, so you you uh, you any team can claim you, and the Ravens don't control the process, and the player doesn't control the process. But once you're in year five plus, 
and and maybe this applies to a first round pick too. I'm actually not sure what the rules are for a first round pick in, the, in a fifth year option, but it'd be too weird to consider that. Although that may happen to Baker Mayfield this year. Yeah, he, that's he may be a guy who gets cut, you know, early on. But anyway, getting back to the situation, they have some veterans now with Davis, the running back, and and with Urban, I think is a guy to to be a candidate for a handshake deal. Kyle Fuller, absolutely a candidate for a handshake deal, though I haven't seen his his uh, salary number yet. So that mm-hmm. it may that may preclude it, but they have a they have a fair number of guys where they may have as many as five options to slip guys onto the roster. And Ajabo is the kind of guy they want there. Uh, they may have others as as well that that uh, you know are not ready due to injuries that occur in camp, and they'll want to uh, uh, keep on the roster. But that milestone will be key. If if Ajabo's not on the roster, then well, they have truly given up on 2022. Obviously, and we'll know that. Um, but but we've they'll they'll have to still then figure out where he's in the rehab and and uh what can he do to uh, to learn some of those positional skills during the year but uh, anyway I, I we've already mentioned the great let me go to the off the charts if we can um off the charts for me is we just shake our heads at his recovery time and are amazed by a five to six sack rookie year shows all the tools we'd hope for and i it's too it's almost too much of a fairy tale to believe it could be true but if if you if you're talking about what's the absolute top end that the ravens could hope for under uh, fairy dust situations it's a jabo plays about half a season gets five or six sacks yeah i think the off the charts for me is he shut he, he shows up in week 15 and and <laughs> on his first snap they bring him in on a third and seven and he just dusts some right tackle and gets to the quarterback immediately i think that that like just a one sack right there that would be off the charts for me even if he didn't get to a quarterback for the rest of that game or the rest of those three weeks the regular season just seeing Seeing him back on the field in 2022 and just gets that early sack uh, in the first game that he comes back in. And uh, that would be off the charts for me. Uh, and yeah, like you said, it feels it's it's fairy tale. It's fairy dust. And I'm grinning with the thought of that being because you you root for these guys as football players and you root for them as just human beings. And I would just love to see that story for a Jabo who suffered an unfortunate injury in his pro day and lost millions of dollars for that and lost draft stock comes to the Ravens rehabs back. And then for him to get a sack like that would just be, would be so cool for him, you know, and, and that's something that I, of course I'm rooting for, but you don't want to put those expectations on, but that would be off the charts for me, Ken. Yeah. Maybe, maybe move that sack to week 18 against Joe Burrow, knocks Burrow out of any playoff consideration. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. The Ravens owe the Bengals one. That's for sure. After, after this last year and after the, the Dalton fourth and nightmare, Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> well, if, if we're talking about other things that will get a job over there in terms of doing the most for him, they, they, the Ravens will be very patient with him. I believe that's not going to be a problem. Uh, the good coaching and sports medicine, more the coaching even, is, is I want them to really try and figure out in his particular case, how can he learn? How can he not waste this developmental season? Um, even if he's on the shelf and he's still wearing a boot or whatever he might be doing with regard to the uh, rehabbing that Achilles. Yeah, it's it's going to be about the coaching. Even though he's in a boot, he's a guy that can definitely sit there in the in the in the classrooms that they have and in the meetings that they have and talk about technique. He can be in the film room watching uh, tape on what he can do and what he can learn, and he can speak with coaches. Mm-hmm. And that's you know a, a, an eighteen week process uh, in the regular season alone of him being able to learn and be a studious player in preparation for twenty twenty three. 
All right. Outstanding stuff. Let's move on to a very different player, obviously, and that's the goalies. <laughs> things. Patrick McCary, uh, you know, a, a player who who whose versatility came in very handy for the Ravens last year, his ability to move to right tackle. Um, you know, it didn't, it did not ultimately save the Ravens season by any ways, but he, but he was not, uh, the central problem there. There are significant questions about length that I had about him. And I think he, he played at a C or C plus level at right tackle. He occasionally played very at a very high level and on other occasions, uh, not so well. Uh, but, uh, but he certainly showed that he can reach some significant heights. Uh, I think that the Ravens had initially intended, for McCary to come back and be their center this year. Uh, but the drafting of Tyler Linderbaum naturally changes that. And, and uh, John Harbaugh has made no bones about the, about the, the fact that Linderbaum is the starting center on day one, unlike with um, Orlando Brown giving him the job on day one as a third round pick. Yeah, McCary, uh, I felt like he was slated to be the next center for the Ravens, and then Linderbaum came in. And like you said, Harbaugh quickly said that that guy's going to be our starting center. Uh, he's a first-round pick. He's going to be our center. And uh, I was here today at day one of OTAs uh, that for media availability, and uh, Linderbaum was taking all the starting snaps. He was the center for every single one of those, uh, uh, the Levins. He was the, he was the guy for all the reps and everything that was him okay so lots of shotgun snaps today so that's something i wanted to ask you about was how did linderbaum's shotgun snaps look uh the shotgun snaps looked good i didn't see any you know that's something that seemed to always occur throughout training camp is like anytime you see a bad snap you always wrote it down Mm -hmm. uh when all the good snaps happen you don't really ever write anything down i never saw any problems i didn't see any issue with uh any of the quarterbacks i didn't see any fumbled snaps i didn't i didn't see any mistakes and that's a great start to OTAs, especially right. for Linderbaum. <laughs> well, that, that's that'll be something I'm really looking at uh, this year at camp is is if those snaps are consistent, they're kind of laser beams on on a line, line drives, whatever you want to call them, um, that, that get to the quarterback's belt, um, as opposed to this 12 to 6 curveball we would see occasionally. Uh, even when Bozeman was snapping the ball particularly well, the early part of last year, he had a lot of these kind of a a, a curveball that would that would drop down and and uh, Jackson picking up the the ball at his knees. Well, that's not optimal. I mean, that that's time that Jackson loses in terms of acquiring the field. And you know, you really need to do better than that in terms of of, of setting that play up. So hopefully, uh, we see from Linderbaum a, a a consistency of snap that that I think is very important to his game. And I, I, we obviously talk about the blocking and the the length issues he may have at the NFL level, but but I think him him delivering the snap accurately is is uh, is very important among those. But let's go back to Patrick McCarry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I was going to pivot it too. Uh, yeah, as for Patrick McCarry, since he's not the center anymore, uh, he's being rotated around. I assume w- between both guard spots, honestly, and then mm-hmm. tackle. Uh, Morgan Moses, I don't believe attended today's OTAs, so Patrick McCarry was taking the right tackle snaps, uh, and he was taking the majority of them. I believe during the like quote unquote starters being out there, he was the right tackle. And he's just been a workhorse for the Ravens. He's been moved all over the field on that offensive line, and he's been utilized everywhere. And he's he's delivered for the most part at every position. You said he played at a CC plus level. Uh, he could he'd have spot you know spurts where he would be a, a B player, an A player. He was just a mm-hmm. stone wall of a right tackle suddenly, and that's just something that is so invaluable for an offense, especially last year when when Ronnie Stanley couldn't 
uh, you know, play past week one and after he struggled against the Raiders and ultimately had to go on season ending IR because he had to get uh, another ankle injury, ankle surgery. Uh, McCarry became the guy that they really leaned on in the passing game uh, for pass blocking and even to, to some effect uh, run blocking and, and trying to run behind him uh, with, uh, with their uh, stable of running backs that also went down and they had to get some veterans going there. Yeah, that that hurt obviously a lot in terms of last year. What I what I would see out of McCarry is just that it, in terms of a goal for twenty twenty two, it's just that he play well uh, when and where he's called upon. And and the nice thing about having Patrick McCarry being your sixth offensive lineman, and he might be sixth, he might be seventh, whatever you, you want to consider him is, he allows you to make a one for one change when some offensive lineman goes down. Now that'll be anywhere except I believe left tackle where I believe they would have to probably rotate some people. I don't think they'll put in McCarry one for one at left tackle, but uh, I think that they will use him at any of the three interior offensive line positions. I believe he'd be first up if any of Zeitler, whoever wins that left guard job and he may be in the running to win it, Mm -hmm. but, but I think Ben Cleveland based on the fact that he finished it last year is probably the guy or certainly if Linderbaum goes down, that, that he would be the first to replace those guys and allow it to be done without multiple line switches. So you keep that continuity going. Ravens in the past always had a, a, a strong predilection to that. Yeah, I was nodding my head throughout that the entire course of what you're saying there. He's the guy that you can swap one for one other than left tackle. And when it's left tackle, I see a lot of it being you put the guy at right tackle to left and then you install mm-hmm. this guy. And so the continuity of the players are still there, though the position changed for the right tackle person to move left. So they haven't necessarily worked with that left guard as a tandem, but uh, that's still the same continuity of those four guys on the field which is important enough uh mccary's mccary's the guy mccary is the the prototypical sixth man that can come in and and come and play at any single one of those four spots left guard center right guard and tack and right tackle and he plays at a level that is starter quality he's really what feels like this starter quality offensive lineman that just doesn't have the specialty of one of the other guys that are on the field instead of him. But he has the ability to deliver uh, a similar results, uh, sometimes even better with what we've seen with his uh, with his highs as a as a player. You know, the, there is a lineman in Ravens history who kind of matches McCary in a lot of ways in terms of getting playing time when he had the chance and whatnot. Occasionally he was a starter and then he got, got put back on the bench. But it's Chris Chester, second round draft pick. Um, he, he got some opportunities to play as a starter, and he was a pretty damn good offensive lineman. The problem is those offensive lines he played for with the Baltimore Ravens were the best they've ever fielded. And, and you know, he was not going to break an interior that included Yonda, Burke, and Grubbs. I mean, he was just behind all of them. And it's just that's an, it's an unbelievable mountain to climb. But he went to Washington, and he ended up being, a, you know, a guy who's, who was a very effective lineman for for many years and i don't remember even how many years he played after he left the ravens but it was a substantial career and and he really played his best football after he left he just wasn't quite good enough to break the starting five at this at this line and mccary may be good enough to win the left guard job so we'll see i'm not i'm not i'm not you know breaking him out of that but i think he's he's going to be a most value to the ravens if he's if he's in bubble wrap ready to go as the sixth man (laughs) when when uh when those problems occur 
Yeah. Uh, on the topic of Chris Chester, I, that's a really funny thing is, is he was going up against two hall of famers. Then yep. Ben Grubbs was also <laughs> a, a, an incredible first round pick. Yeah. First round <laughs> pick dominant guard. So yeah, of course he wasn't going to be able to uh, crack those three, but yeah, Chris Chester ended up playing six more years after four of them with Washington. Uh, his AV is approximate value. According to PFR pro football mm-hmm. reference uh, twice, he cracked double digits because he was really a valuable offensive lineman. He was incredibly talented. And so uh, that's how you feel with McCary. Honestly, is that he's this very talented player and he even wore, I believe the same number as McCary number 65. So that's coincidental enough, but uh, getting back to McCary itself, uh, a good year for me is just him being constantly the the valuable guy that if someone were to go down, he's always there. He could yeah. even end up getting rotational snaps out of uh, out of right tackle, or he's going to be the sixth offensive lineman in those jumbo packages that the Ravens love to run with their heavy running units, where they want that instead of an extra tight end, they want an extra blocker. McCary could be that guy. Um, he doesn't have the size of being the big guy that they want to run behind necessarily, but he's a talented blocker, and they like to utilize him, and that's what I see as a good year for McCary. All right, so I, I have a hard time distinguishing my good and great for McCary because in both the good and the great, I think he sits on the bench in the starting five play the entire season, <laughs> and I, but, but, but I'm going to try and do it. So the good is for him to get regular game day activation. So he's always in their top eight offensive linemen. That should not be a problem at all. Um, and he never gets used in terms of, of being applied. Now he still will get used in some jumbo packages. They'll run some six offensive linemen. He'd be ideal for that. No problem with all that. And, and I'm not suggesting the Ravens bubble wrap him to the degree that they don't even put him on the field in those situations because he's too valuable as a sixth offensive lineman. They'll have other options. Falele, uh, Falele should be an outstanding jumbo option for this yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Patrick McCary uh, would, be a, would be a great sixth lineman in a lot of, lot of situations where you need to get one yard. He's a, he's a guy I'd want to have on the field. Uh, but that's, that's my good is basically – uh, he, he that he doesn't see the field very often, but he's still one of their top eight linemen all year. It's really peculiar to have that out of a player that we both <laughs> really like. We both think is a talented player, and you're like, well, hopefully, you know, for him to have a good year, he just doesn't have to see the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a peculiar way of going about it. What's uh, what's your great there? Then? Well, my great is uh, that he plays well whenever he's called upon at some mm-hmm. position. So obviously, he saves the saves the Ravens uh, at some position this year. And that could include winning the left guard role. So while I would prefer that we really see who Ben Cleveland is this year, he's a second year player. He's not a veteran that, that you know, you, you own only a, a, for a limited portion of their future. We, ben Cleveland, they've got him for three more years. They need to find out who they have. And, and, and now is the time, not later. It's not year three or year four to figure out who Ben Cleveland is. Um, I, I really want them. I, I really hope he wins the job. That's my that's would be my ideal situation. I realize Phillips is there in year three. A similar situation could occur with him. Uh, to me, he's very much on the bubble in terms of making this team. Uh, his roster spot is a lot less secure than Cleveland's is because of, because he's in year three and has declining option value, frankly, at this point. Yeah, that's something that I was checking out just as soon as you said it. Um, yeah, you got you, you need to know what you have in Ben Cleveland, and I think he has the the size and the ability to win that job over McCary. And uh, I think they just like McCary's versatility, sure, and and, and the save ability that McCary has to. Uh, have any of those guys if they were to go down or start performing badly that they can sub him in and and uh 
get things straightened out if things start going south with just a player's performance for a game or a quarter or something just to get some rest or, or nicks and bumps on these guys that take him out for a few plays. I think that's McCarron's greatest value. I really yeah, do. Good, great point, by the way, there in terms of subbing him in for the end of games where you really don't want Kevin Zeitler on the field anymore, you know, taking chances with his body. And Zeitler's very careful, but you'd, you'd still rather not have him on the field. Uh, if if you're going to you know make substitutions at right tackle, you could do that. Uh, you might even consider putting him at right guard when you sub in at right tackle, because one of the one of the issues with Fa'alili early on may be that he can't control the opponent and he, he takes some risk with players going through the pocket. You definitely don't want to have uh, your starters in there if your legs are at risk for your linemen. I don't want to talk about it in such crass terms, but that but is a, a, a real consideration here. And obviously that's that that is a factor in getting on the field at all. And it may mean that McCarry is the guy you bring in at right tackle and not follow Lely if if that's a concern uh with uh with Daniel. Oh absolutely yeah controlling it's not so much just about uh in football just blocking your opponent but also blocking him not into another one of your yeah. teammates is an incredibly important part of that job and if there is concern there then that's why they would have McCarry over somebody else instead be it Falele or somebody else even in fact but um that's that's definitely where uh, I would I would agree with you uh, if if there's a player on the defense that I would like into, it'd be like Josh Bynes. Josh Bynes had came in and in, in three years, twice saved the Ravens defense <laughs> to a degree. I swear we're going to find out he's wearing a cape under that uniform or something someday. Cause he's just, he, it's just it, it, the entire level of play of, of the inside linebacker group was elevated to such a high degree, both times when he showed up and, and it could be well that, that somebody's not playing well, it wouldn't necessarily be injury, but it could be somebody's not playing well. And they decide to make the switch to McCary. Uh, be it at left guard or potentially even at center. Linderbaum, let's say he has a disastrous first half of his rookie year. Well, McCary is there. You, know, yep. you, you got a chance to, to to fix that situation immediately. So I'm really looking forward to it. And and uh, Patrick's a good player, and and uh, he's got a good got rewarded with the contract, which is nice. Not everybody does. You know, he he definitely got paid off. When you look at Matt Skura, it really didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but McCary got got his contract, and and hopefully this means that he's. Uh, um, uh, you know, whatever his role is, he'll be happy with it over the course of the next three years. And, and we hope it's that James Worthy six man. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you get paid that, that you get paid for that, you always get paid for your future. You know, the what have you done for me mm-hmm. lately is part of it. But I think his contract was kind of what you have done for us. And and that was save the Ravens uh, at times at right tackle or center or one of the guard spots and his future is, is also you can still save us when things might turn South or you can help us out. And uh, McCary is the kind of guy that is uh, going to be there for them whenever he gets his uh, hat called and uh, he'll show up for it. All right. Outstanding talking football with you as always, Kyle, always love to sit down, spend 30, 40 minutes. These, these shows, we, I had projected these for each 20 minutes, but, uh, but we haven't had one under 30 so far. I don't believe. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's great to talk football. Great to, to great to get these insights from, from uh, camp that, you, that you're bringing in. And I'm really looking forward to when training camp starts doing our daily routine again, where we, where we talk through this, because that was a lot of fun last year. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to it. Where can people talk football with you? 
Yeah, on BaltimoreBeatdown.com, I am the managing editor of the website. You can read all about all sorts of content regarding and relating to the Baltimore Ravens there. And then I also cover the Ravens for BaltimoreRavens.com on, excuse me, not cover them. I write their weekly uh, uh, article series I'm a part of, which is Late for Work. And I write the Monday article every week on BaltimoreRavens.com slash Late for Work. All right. Outstanding stuff, Kyle. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short anytime this summer, we're entering that part of the year where I am looking for people who want to talk football with me, have content ideas, and we've got some great ones coming up. One uh, guy's talking about the evolution of the game. The first of those episodes should already be out by the time you hear this. Uh, Take a listen. Uh, Colt Scardina does a wonderful job on that. And I think discussions are a lot of fun. If you have an idea for whether it's one episode and and we're going to a narrow topic at some depth, that's great. If you have an idea for a series of episodes, some analysis of your own, all ideas are open. DM me on Twitter. They're always open. And I'd love to hear from you. I'll get back to you very quickly. Kyle, uh, thanks again for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.